great. We're continuing our study of the Visuddhimagga. Robin, you want to tell us where we're at? Yes, we are just starting Chapter 9, The Divine Abidings, which is on page 291. And Anka, would, would you be able to start us off? Okay, I think Anka disconnected. Aurora, would you be able to start us off? Yes, I can. Loving kindness. The four divine abidings were mentioned next to the recollections as meditation subjects. They are loving kindness, compassion, gladness, and equanimity. A meditator who wants to develop firstly loving kindness among these, if he is a beginner, should sever the impediments and learn the meditation subject. Then, when he has done the work connected with the meal and got rid of any dizziness due to it, he should seat himself comfortably on a well-prepared seat in a secluded place. To start with, he should review the danger and hate and the advantage in patience. Why? Because hate has to be abandoned and patience attained in the development of this meditation subject. And he cannot abandon unseen dangers and attain unknown advantages. Now, the danger in hate should be seen in accordance with such suttas as this. Friends, when a man hates, is a prey to hate, and his mind is obsessed by hate, he kills living things and etc., and the advantage in patience should be understood according to such suttas as this. No higher rule, the Buddhas say, than patience, and no Nibbana higher than forbearance. Patience in force, in strong array, this he might call a Brahman. No greater thing exists than patience. Thereupon he should embark upon the development of loving-kindness for the purpose of secluding the mind from hate, seen as a danger and introducing it to patience, known as an advantage. But when he begins, he must know that some persons are of the wrong sort at the very beginning, and that loving-kindness should be developed towards certain kinds of persons and not towards certain other kinds at first. For loving-kindness should not be developed at first towards the following four kinds of persons. An antipathetic person, a very dearly loved friend, a neutral person, and a hostile person. Also, it should not be developed specifically towards the opposite sex or towards a dead person. What is the reason why it should not be developed at first towards an antipathetic person and the others? 
to put an antipathetic person in a dear one in a dear one's place is fatiguing. To put a very dearly loved friend in a neutral place is fatiguing. And if the slightest mischance uh, befalls the friend, he feels like weeping. To put a neutral person in a respected one's or a dear one's place is fatiguing. Anger springs up in him if he recollects a hostile person. That's why it should not be developed at first towards an antipathetic person and the rest. Then if he develops it specifically towards the opposite sex, lust inspired by that person springs up in him. An elder supported by a family was asked, it seems, by a friend's son, Venerable sir, toward whom should loving kindness be developed? The elder told him, toward a person one loves. He loved his own wife. Through developing loving kindness toward her, he was fighting against the wall all night, all the night. That is why it should not be developed specifically toward the opposite sex. If you read the footnote, it's quite interesting what fighting against the wall means. I'll, I'll read it out loud for the uh, the benefit of the recording. Fighting against the wall, having undertaken the precepts of virtue, sat down on the seat in his room with the door locked. He was developing loving kindness. Blinded by lust, arisen under cover of the loving kindness, he wanted to go to his wife, and without noticing the door, he beat on the wall in his desire to get out, even by breaking the wall down. That is interesting. Blinded by lust. How do you explain that to the contractor that's got to fix the wall? But if he develops it towards a dead person, he reaches neither absorption nor access. A young bhikkhu, it seems, had started up in loving kindness inspired by his teacher. His loving made, made no headway at all. He went to a senior elder and told him, Venerable Sir, I'm quite familiar with attaining jhana through loving kindness, and yet I cannot attain it. What is the matter? The elder said, Seek the sign, friend object of your meditation. He did so, finding that his teacher had died. He proceeded with developing loving kindness, inspired by another and attained absorption. That is why it, it should not be developed towards one who is dead. Uh, Bhante have a question. What is the difference between metta and adosa? Are they the same or Metta is more of a, more of an active thought process. I can't remember. I think they're different, but I can't remember. Actually, I think they might be the same. There's two of them are the same. You see, two of the four. There's only two apamanyas. Apamanya jatasika. I think they are Karuna and Mudita, because Upeka is the Upeka Jetasika. It's not. It's already been discussed elsewhere, and I think you're right. I think Meta isn't a Jetasika. It's because it's called Adosa Jetasika. Yeah. 
Yeah, but even in Upeka, you don't have hatred towards anyone, right? Nothing. So we can technically say it's not a hateful thought or the uh, lack of hate. I mean, it is lacking hate, which is what Adosa means, right, Bante? Yeah, I mean, it depends whether you're talking about the Abhidhamma or the suttas, because it does seem to be a little bit underwhelming to say that love is simply the absence of anger. That doesn't seem to be what is being talked about here. It seems to be more of a positive aspect, although it's, it's hard to say exactly what is meant. I see. Thank you. First of all, it should be developed only towards oneself, doing it repeatedly. Thus, may I be happy and free from suffering, or may I keep myself free from enemy, affliction, and anxiety, and live happily. If that is so, does it not conflict with what is said in the texts? For there is no mention of any development of it towards oneself in what is said in the Vibhanga. And how does a bhikkhu dwell pervading one direction with his heart filled with loving-kindness? Just as he would feel loving-kindness on seeing a dearly loved person, so he pervades all beings with loving-kindness. And in what is said in the Patisambhida, in what five ways is the mind deliverance of loving-kindness practiced with unspecified provision? May all beings be free from enmity, affliction, and anxiety, and live happily. May all breathing things, all who are born, all persons, all those who have a personality, be free from enmity, affliction, and anxiety, and live happily. And in what is said in the Metta Sutta, in joy and safety, may all beings be joyful at heart. Does it not conflict with those texts? It does not conflict. Why not? Because that refers to absorption. But this initial development towards oneself refers to making oneself an example. For even if he develops developed loving kindness for a hundred or a thousand years in this way, I am happy, and so on, absorption would never arise. But if he develops it in this way, I am happy, just as I want to be happy, and dread pain, as I want to live and not to die, so do other beings too. Making himself the example, then desire for other beings, welfare and well and happiness arises in him. And this method is indicated by the blessed one saying, I visited all quarters with my mind, nor found I any dearer than myself. Self is likewise to every other, other dear who loves himself and never harm other. So he should first, as example, pervade himself with loving kindness. Next, after that, in order to proceed easily, he can recollect such gifts, kind words, etc., as inspire love and endearment, such virtue, learning, etc., as inspire respect and reverence met with in a teacher or his equivalent or a preceptor of his equivalent, developing loving kindness toward him in the way beginning. 
May this good man be happy and free from suffering. With such a person, of course, he attains absorption. But if this bhikkhu does not rest content with just that much and wants to break down the barriers, he should next, after that, develop loving kindness towards a very dearly loved friend, then towards a neutral person as a very dearly loved friend, then towards a hostile person as neutral. And while he does so, he should make his mind malleable and wieldy in each instance before passing on to the next. But if he has no enemy, or he is of the type of a great man who does not perceive another as an enemy, even when the other does him harm, he should not interest himself as follows. Now that my consciousness of loving kindness has become wieldy towards a neutral person, I shall apply it to a hostile one. Rather, it was about one who actually has an enemy that it was said above that he should develop loving kindness towards a hostile person as neutral. Getting rid of resentment. If resentment arises in him when he applies his mind to a hostile person because he remembers wrongs done by the pers- by that person, he should get rid of the resentment by entering repeatedly into loving kindness. Yeah. Towards any of the first mentioned person and then after he has emerged each, each time directing loving kindness towards the person. But if he does not die out in spite of his efforts, then let him reflect upon the soul with other figures of such kind and strive and try repeatedly to leave resentment far behind. He should admonish himself in this way. Now, you who get angry have not the blessed one said this, because even, even if bandits brutally set limb from limb with a two-handed saw, he who entertained hate in his head on that account would not be one who carried out my teaching. This to repay angry men in kind is worse than to be angry first. Repay no angry men in kind and win a battle had to win. The will of God he does promote his own and then the others too. Who shall another's anger know and mindful maintain his peace. And this because there are seven things gratifying and helpful to an enemy that happen to one who is angry. Whether woman or man, what seven here because an enemy which starts for his enemy. Let him be ugly. Why is that? An enemy does not delight in an enemy beauty. 
Now, this angry person is a prey to anger, ruled by anger, thought well baited, well anointed with hair and beard, trimmed and clothed in white, yet he's solely being a prey to anger. This is the first thing gratifying and helpful to an enemy that befalls one who is angry, whether woman or man. Furthermore, an enemy wishes to ask for his enemy. Let him lie in pain. Let him have no fortune. Let him not to be wealthy. Let him not to be famous. famous. Let him not, let him have no friends. Let him not break up of the body after death repeat in happy destiny in a heavenly world. Why is that? An enemy does not delight in an enemy's going to a happy destiny. Now, this angry person is a prey to anger, ruled by anger. His misconduct himself in the body's speech and mind, misconducting himself thus in body, speech and mind. On the breakup of the body, after death, he reappears in a state of loss, in unhappy destiny, in perdition, in hell, being a prey to anger. And this, as love from a pyre burned at both ends and food in the middle, serves neither for timber in the village nor for timber in the forest. So is such a person as this I say, if you are angry now, you will be one who does not carry out the blessed one's teaching. By repaying an angry man in kind, you will be worse than the angry man and do not win the battle hard to win. You will yourself to do yourself the things that help your enemy, and you will be like a prior log. If his resentment subsides, drives, and makes effort in this way, it is good. If not, then he should remove irritation by remembering some controlled and purified state in that person, which expires con- inspires confidence when remembered. One person may be controlled in his bodily behavior with his control in doing an extensive course of duty known to all, though his, though his verbal and mental behavior are contro- not controlled, then the latter should be ignored and controlled in his bodily behavior remembered. Another way may be controlled in his verbal behavior and his control known to all. He may naturally be clever at welcoming kindly, easy to talk with, congenial, open, 
countenanced differential in speech, and he may expound the Dharma with a sweet voice and give explanations of Dharma with well-rounded phrases and details through his bodily men. Bodily and mental behavior are not controlled. Then the latter should be ignored, and the control in his verbal behavior remembered. Another may be controlled in his mental behavior, and his control in worship at shrines, etc., evident to all. For when one who is uncontrolled in mind plays homage at a shrine or at an enlightenment tree, or to elders, he does not do it carefully, and he sits at, in the Dhamma preaching pavilion with mind astray or nodding. While one whose mind is controlled pays homage carefully and deliberately, listens to the Dhamma attentively, remembering it, and evincing the confidence in his mind through his body or his speech. So another may be controlled in his mental behavior, though his body and verbal behavior are not controlled. Then the latter should be ignored, and the control in his mental behavior remembered. But there may be another in whom not even one of these three things is controlled. Then compassion for that person should be aroused thus. Though he is going about in the human world now, Nevertheless, after a certain number of days, he will find himself in one of the eight great hell, all the sixteen prominent hells, where irritation subsides too through compassion, and yet another all three may be controlled. Then he can remember any of the three in, the, in that person, whichever he likes. For the development of loving kindness towards such a person is easy. And in order to make the meaning of this clear, the following sutta from the Book of Five should be cited in full. Bhikkhus, there are five ways of dispelling annoyance, whereby annoyance arisen in a bhikkhu can be entirely dispelled. But if irritation still arises in him in spite of his effort, then he should admonish himself thus. Suppose an enemy has hurt you now in what is his domain. Why try yourself as well to hurt your mind? <clears throat> this is not his domain. In tears you left your family. They had been kind and helpful to you. So why not leave your enemy? The anger that bring, brings harm to you. This anger that you entertain in uh, knowing at the very roots of all the virtues that you guard, who is there such a fool as you? Another does ignoble deeds, so you're angry. How is this? Do you then want to copy to the sort of act that he commits? Suppose another, to annoy, provokes you with some odious act. Why suffer anger to spring up and do as he would have you do? If you get angry, then maybe you make him suffer, maybe not. 
Though with the hurt that anger brings, you certainly are punished now. If anger-blinded enemies set out to tread the path of foo, do you by getting angry too intend to follow heel to toe? If hurt is done you by a foe because of anger on your part, then put your anger down, for why should you be harassed groundlessly? Since states, since since states last but a moment's time, those aggregates by which was done the odious act have ceased. So now, what is it you're angry with? Whom shall be hurt who seeks to hurt another in the other's absence? Your presence is the cause of hurt. Why are you angry then with him? That was pretty awesome. Yeah, I like the idea that um, you're to blame for the anger because you're there. It makes you think, really. It's like that novice for being there and getting his eye poked out. But he wasn't angry. No. But he's, why should his argument would be, why should he be, why should he blame the elder when he was to blame for being in the way? I remember he said it's the fault of Sansara. Indeed. And I have a doubt. Does the Piku completely lose his eye? Well, there's a story recently about a novice who lost his one eye. Does that character reoccur in different stories, or is it just that one story? Pretty sure he's only in that one story. I don't even think his name is given in the story. Okay. Um, Shall I continue, or do you guys want to keep on talking about the verse? Um, Go ahead, please. Okay. But if resentment does not subside when he admonishes himself thus, then he should review the fact that he himself and the other are owners of their deeds, comma. Herein, he should first review this in himself thus, now. What is the point of your getting angry with him? Will not this comma that has anger as its source lead to your own harm? For you are the owner of your deeds, heir of your deeds, having deeds as your parent, deeds as your kin, deeds as your refuge. You will become the heir of whatever deeds you do. And this is not the kind of deed to bring you to full enlightenment, to undeclared enlightenment, or to the disciple's grade, or to any such position as the status of Brahma, or Saka, 
or the throne of a wheel-turning monarch or a regional king, etc. But rather, this is the kind of deed to lead you to lead to your fall from the dispensation, even to the status of the eaters of scraps, etc., and to the manifold suffering in the hells, and so on. By doing this, you are like a man who wants to hit another and picks up a burning ember or excrement in his hand, and so first burns himself or makes himself stink. Having reviewed ownership of deeds in himself in this way, he should review it in the other also. And what is the point of his getting angry with you? Will it not lead to his own harm? For that whenever, whenever, for that venerable one is owner of his deeds, hair of his deeds, he will become the heir of whatever deeds he does. And this is not the kind of deed to bring him to full enlightenment. So to declare enlightenment or to the disciples great or to any such position as the status of Brahma or Saka, or to the throne of a well-turning monarch or a regional king, etc. But rather, this is the kind of deed that lay, lead to his fall from the dispensation, even to the status of the eaters of the scraps, etc., and to the manifold sufferings in the hells, and so on. By doing this, he is like a man who wants to throw those at another against the wind and only cover himself with it. For this is said by the Blessed One. When a fool hates a man that has no hate, is purified and free from every blemish, such evil he will find come back on him, and thus find us throw up against the wind. But if it still does not subside in him when he reviews ownership of deeds in this way, then he should review the special qualities of the master's former conduct. Here is the way of reviewing it. Now you who have gone forth, it is not a fact that when your master was a bodhisattva before discovering full enlightenment, while he was still engaged in fulfilling the perfections during the four incalculable ages and a hundred thousand aeons, he did not allow hate to corrupt his mind, even when his enemies tried to murder him on various occasions. For example, in the Silavan birth story, when, when his friends rose to prevent his kingdom of 300 leagues being seized by an enemy king, who had been incited by a wicked minister in whose mind his own queen had sown hate for him. He did not allow them to lift a weapon. Again, when he was buried along with a thousand companions, up to the neck in a hole dug in the earth in a charnel ground, he had no thought of hate. And when after saving his life by heroic effort helped by jackals, scraping away soil when they had come to devour the corpse. corpses he went with the aid of 
spirit to aid of a spirit to his own bedroom and saw his enemy lying on his own bed. He was not angry but treated him as a friend, undertaking a mutual pledge, and he then exclaimed, The brave aspire, the wise will not lose heart. I see myself as I had wished to be. And in the county warding first story, he was asked by the stupid king of Kasi, What do you preach, monk? And he replied, I'm a preacher of patience. And when the king had him flogged with scourges of thrones and had his head had his hands and feet cut out he felt not the slightest anger so this is a rather memorable jataka where king thinks uh, he thinks this ascetic is flirting with his queens, his wives, or his concubines, or I don't know. And so he has him killed for it, but tortured, basically. And the bodhisattva is not moved by it. It is perhaps not so wonderful that an adult who had actually gone forth into homelessness should have acted in that way. But also as an infant he did so. For in the Jula Dhammapala's birth story, his hands and feet were ordered to be topped off, lopped off like four bamboo shoots by his father, King Mahapatapa, and his mother lamented over him. Oh, Dhammapala's arms are severed that had been bathed in sandalwood. He was the heir to all the earth, O oh, King, my breath is choking me. Then this, his father, still not satisfied, commanded that his head be cut off as well. But even then he had not the least trace of hate, since he had firmly resolved thus, Now is the time to restrain your mind. Now, good Dhammapala, be impartial towards these four persons. That is to say, towards your father, who is having your head cut off, the man who is beheading you, your lamenting mother, and yourself. And it is perhaps not so wonderful that one who had become a human being should have acted in that way, but also as an animal he did so. For while the Bodhisattva was the elephant called Chadanta, he was pierced in the navel by a poison shot. But even then he allowed not hate towards the hunter who had wounded him to corrupt his mind according as it is said. The elephant, when struck by the stout shaft, addressed the hunter with no hate in mind. What is your aim? What is the reason why you kill me thus? What can your purpose be? And when the elephant had spoken thus and was told, Sir, I have been sent by the king of Cassie's queen to get your task. In order to fill her wish, 
he cut off his own tusk, whose gorgeous radiance glittered with the flashes of the sea's colored ray, and gave them to him. And when he was the great monkey, the man whom he had pulled out of a rocky chasm thought, Now this is food for humankind, like other forest animals. So why then should hungry men not kill the ape to eat, I ask? I'll travel independently, taking his meat as provision. Thus I shall cross the waste, and that will furnish my viaticum. Then he took up a stone and dashed on his head. But the monkey looked at him with eyes full of tears and said, Oh, act not so good, sir, or else the fate you reap will long deter all others from such deeds as this that you would do me, do you would do to me today. And with no hate in his mind, and regardless of his own pain, he saw to it that the men reached his journey's end in safety. Yeah, so this monkey pulls the guy out of the pulls this guy out of this pit and then in, to return the favor the guy thinks oh this monkey would make good meat and so he tries to kill the monkey and he, he dashes him on the head slings him over his shoulder and the monkey's like dying and then the brahmin gets lost the man gets lost and so the monkey actually points the way out to him <laughs> starts telling him which way to go that's incredible. <laughs> what a story. And while he was the royal, royal Naga Buridatta, when he had undertaken the Upasata precepts and was lying on the top of a termite mound, though he was caught and circled with, with the medicinal charms resembling the fire that ushers in the end of an eon, and was put into a box and treated as a plaything throughout the hall of a of a Jampa. Yet he had no trace of hate for that Brahman, according as it is said. While being into the into the coffer, being crushed down with his hand, I had no hate for Alambana lest I should break my precept vow. And when he was the royal Naga Kampeya, he let no hate spring up in his mind while he was being cruelly treated by a snake charmer, according as it is said. While I was living in the law, observing the Oposata, a snake charmer took me away to play with at the royal gate. Whatever hue he might conceive, blue and yellow and red as well, so in accordance with his thought, I would become what he had wished. I would turn dry land into water and water into land likewise. Now, had I given away to wrath, I could have seared him into ash. Had I relaxed mind mastery, I should have let my virtue lapse, and one who lets his virtue lapse cannot attain the highest goal. And when he was the royal Naga Sankapala, while he was being carried along on a current pole by the sixteen village boys, 
after they had wounded him in eight places with sharp spears and in inserted torn creepers into the wounds of orifices, and while after treading a strong rope to his nose, they were causing him great agony by dragging him along, bumping his body on the surface of the ground. Though he was capable of turning those village boys to cinders with a mere glance, yet he did not even show the least trace of hate on opening his eyes, according as it is said. On the 14th and the 15th to Alara, I regularly kept the holiday, until there came those 16 village boys bearing a rope and a stout spear as well. The hunters cleft my nose, and through the slit they passed a rope and dragged me up like, dragged me up like that. But though I felt such agony, I let no hate disturb my holiday. And he performed not only these wonders, but also many others to such as those told in the Matuposaka birds story. Now, it is in the highest degree improper and unbecoming to you to arouse thoughts of resentment, since you are emulating as your master that blessed one who reached omniscience and who has in the special quality of passion no equal in the world with its deities. But if, as he reviews the special qualities of the master's former conduct, the resentment still does not subside in him, since he has long been used to the slavery of defilement, then he should review the suttas that deal with the beginninglessness of the round of rebirth. Here is what is said. Because it is not easy to find a being who has not formerly been your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your son, your daughter. Consequently, he should think about that person thus. This person, it seems, as my mother in the past carried me in her womb, for ten months, and removed from me without disgust, as if it were yellow sandalwood, my urine, excrement, spittles, not etc., and play with me in her lap, and nourished me, carrying me about on her hip. And this person, as my father went by ghost paths, and paths set on piles, etc., to pursue the trade of merchant, and he risked his life for me by going into battle in double array, by sailing on the great ocean and ships, and doing other difficult things, and he nourished me by bringing back wealth by one means or another, thinking to feed his children. And as my brother, sister, son, daughter, this person gave me such and such help. So it is unbecoming for me to harbor hate for him in my mind. But if he still is unable to quench that thought in this way, then he should review the advantages of loving-kindness thus. Now you who have gone forth into homelessness, 
Has it not been said by the Blessed Ones as follows? Bhikkhus, when the mind deliverance of loving kindness is cultivated, developed, much practiced, made the vehicle, made the foundation, established, consolidated, and properly undertaken, eleven blessings can be expected. What are the eleven? A man sleeps in comfort, wakes in comfort, and dreams no evil dreams. He is dear to human beings. He is dear to non-human beings. Deities guard him. Fire and poison and weapons do not affect him. His mind is easily concentrated. The expression of his face is serene. He dies unconfused. If he penetrates no higher, he will be reborn in the Brahma world. If you do not stop this thought, you will be denied these advantages. But if, but if he is still unable to stop it in this way, he should try resolution into elements. How? Now you who have gone forth into homelessness when you are angry with him, what is it that what is it you are angry with? Is it is it head hair you are angry with, or body hairs, or nails, or is it urine you are angry with, or alternatively, is it the earth element in the head hairs, etc. You are angry with, or the water element, or the fire element, or is it the air element you are angry with? or among the five aggregates, or the twelve bases of eighteenth element, eighteenth elements with respect with, with respect to which this venerable one is called by such and such a name, which then is it uh, materiality aggregate you are angry with, or the feeling aggregate, the perception aggregate, the, the aggregate, the consciousness aggregate you are angry with, or is it the eye base you are angry with, or the visible object base you are angry with, or the mind base you are angry with, or the mental object base you are angry with, or is it the eye element you are angry with, or the visible object element, or the eye consciousness element, or the mind element, or the mental object element, or the mind consciousness element you are angry with, for when he tries to tries the resolution into elements, his anger finds no foothold like a mustard seed on a, on the point of an oil or painting on the air. But if he cannot effect the resolution into elements, he should try the giving of a gift. It can be either be given by himself to the other or accepted by himself from the other but if the other's life livelihood is not purified and his requisites are not proper to be used it should be given by oneself and in the one who does this the annoyance with that person entirely subside, subside. And in the other, even anger that has been dogging him from a past birth subsides at the moment, as happened to the senior elder who received a ball given to him at the sit. 
Sitalapabada Monastery by an alms food eater elder who had been three times made to move from his lodging by him, and who presented it with these words, Venerable Sir, this bowl worth eight ducats was given me by my mother, who is a lay devotee, and it is rightly obtained that the good lay devotee acquire merit. So, if efficacious is this act of giving, and this is said, a gift for taming the untamed, a gift for every kind of good. Through giving gifts, they do unbend and condescend to kindly speech. When his resentment towards that hostile person has thus been allayed, then he can turn his mind with loving-kindness towards that person too, just as towards the one who is dear, the very dear friend, and the neutral person. Then he should break down the barriers by practicing loving-kindness over and over again, accomplishing mental impartiality towards the four persons. That is to say, himself, the dear person, the neutral person, and the hostile person. Part 2. Concentration The characteristic of it is this. Suppose this person is sitting in a place with the dear, a neutral and hostile person, himself being the fourth. Then bandits come to him and say, Venerable sir, give us a bhikkhu. And on being asked why, they answer, so that we may kill him and use the blood of his throat, throat as an offering. Then, if that bhikkhu thinks, let them take this one or this one, he has not broken down the barriers. And also, if he thinks, let them take me, but not these three, he has not broken down the barriers either. Why? Because he seeks the harm of him whom he wishes to be taken and seeks the welfare of the other only. But it is when he does not see a single one among the four people to be given to the bandits, and he directs his mind impartially towards himself and towards those three people, that he has broken down the barrier. Hence the ancient said, When he discriminates between the four, that is himself, the dear, the neutral, and the hostile one, then skilled is not the name he gets, nor having amity at will, but only kindly towards beings. Now, when a barriers have all the four been broken down, 
he treats them with equal amity. The whole world with its deities, far more distinguished than the first, is he who knows no barriers. Thus, the sign and access are obtained by this bhikkhu simultaneously with the breaking down of the barriers. But when breaking down of the barriers has been effected, he reaches absorption in the way described under the earth casina without trouble by cultivating, developing, and repeatedly practicing the same sign. At this point, he has attained the first jhana, which abandons five factors, possesses five factors, is good in three ways, is endowed with ten characteristics, and is accompanied by loving-kindness. And when that has been obtained, then by cultivating, developing, and repeatedly practicing that same sign, he successively reaches the second and third jhana in the fourfold system, and the second, third, and fourth in the fivefold system. Okay, let's stop there. We've gone over two o'clock, so we'll pick it up. I guess this section will probably take us three sessions to finish. So we'll stop there. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Ben. Sadhu Bhante. Sadhu Bhante. Sadhu Bhante. Sadhu And Laszlo, um, we were talking earlier about um, we were finding it necessary to check the time of the class, and we're thinking 2 p.